This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. The Bucks and Cowboys could have two of the best passing offenses in football. And maybe the Steelers, too. Who knows? They led the NFL in pass attempts last year. Do we like any of the draft values? We'll talk about these groups. Uh, thank you, Heath, for the inspiration to start today's show. Better than I started yesterday. Can't get any worse than that. This is Wide Receivers Preview Part 2. And Chris Towers joining the show. Chris, I asked Dave, Jamie, and Heath yesterday. Now I will ask you, do you have a, a good answer to this fill in the blank? I want to draft blank of my top blank wide receivers. Um, yeah, I don't know if I have a, a great answer off the top of my head, but I think generally of anyone on the podcast, I think I'm probably the most aggressive when it comes to wide receivers. And an ideal outcome is probably four of my top 20. Wow, that is that is very aggressive. Okay, four of your top 20. So we'll go through ADP. Yesterday, we did average draft position through the first 10 or so. I think we stopped at Keenan Allen at 28th overall with, with A.J. Brown. And then we've got Terry McLaurin, Allen Robinson, uh, and CeeDee Lamb, I believe. I'll take a look now. Yeah, McLaurin, Robinson, Lamb in full PPR at 32, 33, and 34. So that's where we're going to uh, we're going to pick it up. Elijah Moore, who was a sleeper for Jamie, being evaluated for a quad injury. He's going to have an MRI. He might miss this weekend's preseason game. Rashad Bateman, another talented rookie. He's going to have surgery, and he's going to return sometime in September. So at some point, we will talk about all of the rookies. Did, all right. Did Jamie mush the rookie receivers when he said they were all going to be good? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I think so, Jamie. All right. No more sleepers for you. Okay, so we uh, if you want to hear about uh, Adams Hill, Diggs Hopkins, Metcalf Ridley, A.J. Brown, Justin Jefferson, and Keenan Allen, that was on yesterday's show. We are in the middle of round three now in a 12-team league looking at PPR average draft position on Fantasy Pros, and we're going to talk about CeeDee Lamb, Allen Robinson, and Terry McLaurin. That's the reverse order of the way they are being drafted. I do want to remind everybody something very, very important. This show might sound good. It would sound a lot better if you were listening on Sonos Arc. Today's episode is sponsored by Sonos Arc, the premium smart soundbar for TV, movies, music, gaming, and more. Stay tuned for additional details about Sonos Arc later in today's show. All right. So, Jamie, first word to you. McLaurin, Robinson, CeeDee Lamb, back to back to back. Should they be? Uh, McLaurin and Robinson should be in the same conversation, yes. Uh, I think Robinson... uh, a little bit ahead in PPR and non PPR. I actually like McLaurin's upside better because I think he'll score more touchdowns. Uh, Lamb is probably too close to them um, in terms of where they're being drafted, but not, he should be in the, in a similar range in terms of ranking. So, you know, this is where I think there should be some separation in terms of, you know, where you get maybe some running backs, quarterbacks, tight ends mixed in uh, ahead of CD lamb potentially, but um, they're not far off for me, at least in terms of where they're ranked. Okay, so Heath, I know you think that Lamb should not be going 34th overall. Yeah, I just think... And I agree. Yeah, I, I don't think... Well, and I think the difference between Jamie and I, I don't, I don't think he should even... I don't think he should be going ahead of Robert Woods, um, Cooper Cup, Tyler Lockett, even... I'm not even sure about Julio Jones. Like, probably Julio Jones right now until Julio's practicing, but... Um, and it's not against CeeDee Lamb. I do think he's inside my top six dynasty wide receivers. I think he has a chance over the next couple of years to be 
just really, really special. But his numbers with Dak last year are greatly influenced by the fact that Dak was on pace to throw for 7,000 yards. He had a 17% target share when everyone else um, was healthy. Amari Cooper was on pace for like 192 targets in that same stretch. I think I currently have Lamb one spot ahead of Cooper, but they're both more 1Bs in an offense that's always spread the ball around a lot. Michael Gallup's going to get 90-plus targets. The tight ends are going to get 100 targets. The running backs are going to get close to 100 targets. And so it's just not – we talk about places like with A.J. Brown and Julio Jones or Tyler Lockett and D.K. Metcalf or Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs and then Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson where the targets are really concentrated. Dallas is not one of those situations or has not been. Um, And they've got a lot of talent, so I don't think they will be this year either. Okay, and Amari Cooper was a top 10 wide receiver in 2019, but you're going to say, but now they have three instead of two. Right, they didn't have CeeDee Lamb then. Right. And like on a per-game basis last year, I, these guys were both quite a ways behind where they're being drafted. And I know Cooper, they got Dak Prescott, but they yeah, also Yeah, come on, we can't do that. We can't do that, Cooper, really. Cooper well, was wide receiver four. 22 in points per game. Uh, Lamb was wide receiver 35. Yeah. But, yeah, but you got to judge his first five. Yeah, games who cares about who cares right, about the full right. season? Yeah, that's, his first five games. Yeah, no, I mean you're not going to judge. Like his first five games, CD Lamb was on pace for 93 catches, 1,386 yards, six touchdowns. I don't think anybody is treating him like he's like oh, that. Drafting I, him like he I think a that. lot of people are treating him like he uh, could do that. Well, they okay, but maybe you know what? I'm not saying that they they are perhaps treating him like he could do that. But they're projecting a, a jump. I think everybody knows that the numbers were inflated, right, with Dak Prescott. He threw so many passes. But, you know, I think people, when they see CeeDee Lamb, they are hoping to catch the A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, year two breakout. Right. They are seeing this as the best opportunity. Right. But, I mean, A.J. Brown was a lot better as a rookie. And, and the thing that I keep coming back to, like, I understand taking Cooper after him, I guess, because of the injury, but... Cooper was quite a bit better than him last year. And, you know, even with, like, if you just look at the games that Dak didn't play, CeeDee Lamb really struggled. Amari Cooper was actually still at, like, nine yards per target in the games that Dak Prescott didn't play. He still played pretty well. And so the assumption that Lamb is going to surpass Cooper, which I think a lot of people are making at this point, I just don't quite get it because Lamb is the new shiny thing. But I think people are kind of forgetting that, like, Amari Cooper was a better prospect coming out of college than CeeDee Lamb was. Better testing, higher draft pick, very productive. He's been an NFL number one wide receiver basically his entire career. You know, there was the one really bad year in in Oakland. And then other than that, like, he's been everything we want CeeDee Lamb to be. Mm -mm. And he's 27. No, I I don't don't agree. Uh, He's never had a 1,200-yard season. Now, if you dig into the numbers with Dallas, he he certainly could have a twelve well, to thirteen hundred yard season per sixteen games because he's he's been on pace for that when Dak Prescott's been healthy. But I, but Amari Cooper, I would say, has been a very solid fantasy wide receiver. But right, people right, have but that hopes for Ceedee Lamb to be a star, and Cooper has not been a fantasy star. I think, but Cooper has been an NFL star. He's been an NFL number one wide receiver and uh-huh. a very good one. The reason he hasn't had a huge fantasy season is because, like he talked about, the Dallas Cowboys spread the ball around a lot. That's not necessarily an Amari Cooper problem. 
And that's not a problem that I don't think CeeDee Lamb is going to overcome. In the five games that Dak played last season, Lamb, Cooper, and Gallup actually had 51.3% of the targets uh, from Dak Prescott. The year before, the top three wide receivers had 52% of Dak Prescott's targets. So there's this, I, I think there's just a lot of assumptions being stacked on top of one another that yes, CeeDee Lamb could be this elite fantasy wide receiver. But when we're talking about taking him at wide receiver 11, which is where he's going at NFC uh, since the start of August, I just can't justify it. Okay, but I think if it's wide receiver 13 behind, well, no, it's 12. If it's behind McLaurin and Allen Robinson. I just don't know that there's anyone going behind Lamb that is clearly someone that should be going ahead of him. I think, I know Heath would say that the Rams guys, Jamie, this yep. is basically where you have Lamb ranked, right? Right around 12? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think he definitely belongs in this range. I think he's going to be better than Amari Cooper. I, I think this is the 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 season that he, you know, takes the the leap forward. You know, you can you can obviously say Cooper was better than him last year. Uh, we're talking about a guy that walked off the street with no offseason, you know, having to learn the NFL. Um, I don't know if he's uh, a better prospect than than Cooper was necessarily because he's he was still a pretty good prospect coming into the league himself. You know, so I think we're probably splitting hairs on, on who was the better prospect and who tested better. Um, I, I think, you know, you just look at what they want to do with Lamb, moving him around. Um, you know, th- this is something, you know, you, you have to look at also team. And the Cowboys took a lot of flack for taking a wide receiver in the first round last year when they didn't have to. They took best player on the board. Uh, Jerry Jones is stupid enough to say we're going to make this guy work and make it work and throw to him as much as we have to. Um, you could say the flip side of that is well, they got to justify paying Amari Cooper the contract that they paid him and giving him $100 million. But I think this is, you know, the, the, the scenario that we've seen the last couple of seasons where uh, the younger player takes uh, a, a step forward ahead of the older player. It's not necessarily Calvin Ridley pushing Julio Jones to the side or Chris Godwin pushing Mike Evans to the side. It's both being very good, and I think that's going to be the case. Both guys are going to be very good. The value is Mari Cooper. That's the value play right now. So if you want a piece of the Cowboys passing attack, unless you really want to play it out and say, I want Michael Gallup, you let somebody else take CeeDee Lamb if you think they're close, which I do. I think they're close. You know, Even though I like Lamb better, they're back-to-back. Mm-hmm. So I'd rather let somebody else take Amari Cooper in the third – I mean, excuse me, CeeDee Lamb in the third round if I'm getting Amari Cooper around later. That's the way you play this. That's the way you should absolutely play this game. Yeah, and I think if we just look at this point in the draft and we take a look at the overall player pool where these guys are being drafted and we, we're totally fine. We're, we're totally fine with McLaurin and Allen Robinson mid round, mid to late round three. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so then we're looking at, you know, I think the argument for, for jumping on a guy like CeeDee Lamb or, or if it's Robert Woods or whoever, whichever wide receiver that you're really excited about in this range is... I don't really like Chris Carr, and I'm not saying this is me. This would be your argument at home if you want to take a wide receiver here. I don't really love Chris Carson, Miles Sanders, uh, yeah, Miles Gaskin, etc. That Daryl Henderson, whatever. I I like the wide receivers better here. So then you just pick your favorite one, and <clears throat> you go for it. But I think after Allen Robinson, who's the 11th wide receiver off the board, you know, this is the range I was talking about yesterday—the late round three into round four range. Um, a lot of question marks. A lot of a lot of great players. You wonder about their situations. We talked about the Bucks and the and the Cowboys. Um, a lot of question marks here, but also a lot of uh, talent and and uh, exciting players. So, so Heath, when we look at this group, starting with Lamb and based on Fantasy Pros ADP. Hold on, let me just toggle back to wide receiver. It's Lamb. It's Evans, Woods, Julio, Cooper, Godwin. 
Thielen. That's the end of round four. So two Cowboys, two Bucks, Woods, Julio Jones, and Thielen. Anyone that you, who do you really like there? Who do you target in that group? That's the weird thing because, like, I understand this is the running back dead zone, and maybe we the league the tight ends worth being drafted have already been taken. Although I take Mark Andrews in round four a lot. The the receivers are almost in reverse order that I want to take them in terms of ADP at this point. And so, like, Woods is the guy within that range that you just gave. He's the only guy that I'm drafting quite that high. Cooper, I've got like three or four spots behind that, so I'm okay with taking him there. But I don't ever draft any of these guys because the next two wide receivers are Cooper Cup and Tyler Lockett, and I have them ahead of everybody in this range except for Robert Woods. Same, actually. Jamie, you like Robert Woods too, and Dave had him as his breakout or sleeper or whatever. I think I forget who it was, but what, <laughs> it wasn't a sleeper. It was it was it, if it was a sleeper that was questionable. Breakout's questionable. <laughs> sleeper would be just a, way off the charts. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fine. So Robert Woods. That's when I made the joke that you should make Devontae Adams your breakout. <laughs> and I, I said it out loud because I didn't understand it at first. And as I was saying it, I was like, oh, I probably should have said that out loud. No, you <laughs> no my bad about you know, that. Devontae Adams would have been a great breakout call. Last year. He would have. Yeah. yeah. He can't be a breakout now. <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. Okay. So is there, Jamie, how about you? Uh, when you look at that group of Cowboys guys, Bucks guys, Woods, Julio, Thielen, who are the, who are the, the best of the best? I like Woods ahead of the Cowboys guys, you know, so as much as I like CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper, I think Woods is in a better spot. So um, I would, uh, the way that I have it is Woods, Cowboys guys, I think I have them bracketed with the Rams and the Cowboys, you know, so um, Cup and Lockett, I've put ahead of Julio Jones. I'm just getting nervous with the injury and the fact that he's 32 going to a new team that doesn't have a high volume passing attack. The more I think about what the Rams are going to do, they're going to throw the ball a ton. So I, I, I think those guys are going to benefit. I think the new system in Seattle is going to benefit Tyler Lockett as well. So I think those guys should be ahead of Thielen. Um, you know, it, it, it's... It's interesting because I think in non-PPR and half-PPR, you know, guys like Evans and Thielen, they, they become more valuable because of the touchdowns that they'll score. And, and I don't think that they're necessarily going to fall off a cliff with the touchdowns. You know, Evans uh, has never had back-to-back double-digit touchdown seasons, but he goes 8-8-13. You know, I think he goes back to 8. You're still okay with that, especially if you're getting him now closer to the fifth round based on our ADP on CBS. Uh, Thielen, I think, will still be around 8 touchdowns as well. So it's just a matter of, you know, the format that you're playing in. But in PPR, you know, I think Cup's going to have a huge season. I think Lockett's going to have a huge season. I hope Julio's still going to have a good season. Um, but I think those those Rams guys, those Cowboys guys uh, are, are in really good spots. Chris, we haven't, uh, well, you can, you can answer the same thing. I think we'll do this for every group here. Just give me your favorites. I think you kind of echoed what Heath was saying, right? Yeah, it's Woods for me by a decent margin. I've got him as a number, as the number nine wide receiver, actually. I think he's going to have a huge year. I think the... The QB change is going to be very, very good for him. And, you know, maybe even the absence of Cam Akers might give him five extra carries, especially near the goal line, which they like to do. Um, so I'm really high on him. Everyone else is fine. I th- there are some guys who are being drafted later, like he said, Cup and Lockett. And for me, DJ Moore, who I have over ahead of at least some of these guys. Um, Adam Thielen's the one that I just I won't be touching. Yeah. I, I think there's there are real signs of decline for him. And if he had scored touchdowns at his normal rate for his career last season, I think he would have been like wide receiver 32 um, in that, points per game. That's, so, that's true, but that stat is almost equally true for Mike Evans. 
Right, right. I have Mike Evans 19th. I have Adam Thielen 25th. Mike Evans at least did have the stretch of big games towards the end of the season where it really did seem like him and Tom Brady had figured out their issues connecting on the deep ball. That was a big right. issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, early in the season, he just wasn't throwing the ball to Mike Evans deep. And then in the middle of the season, they couldn't get on the same page, but they seem to figure it out. So I do feel a little better about him if he's like my wide receiver two, even three if I go heavy early on. But Thielen, I don't know if I would want him as my flex in a three wide receiver league. I just think there's a chance the bottom completely falls out for him. And um, yeah, yeah like well, we're certainly normal. We're certainly not taking him round four, <laughs> you know, and that's where he's 47th overall. And Thielen, I, I mean, I'm even going to remove the last three games of 2019 for him because he was in and out of the out of the lineup. He didn't play much in two of them, and he was horrible. And if you remove those, I give him a, a, a courteous sample size. Adam Thielen has uh, in his last 21 games has had 57 or fewer yards in 13 of them. Yep. So that's yeah, very concerning, I think. 57 or fewer in 18 of 20 or 17 of 25 over the last two seasons combined. Right. Overall. So you were a little harsher because you gave him yeah. those last three games. But, um, all well. right. So <clears throat> it looks like Thielen's the odd man out there. Let's talk about Chris Godwin and Mike Evans a little bit more. Really interesting players. I just have a hard time being like, well, I'm not taking these guys too crowded because it's just so enti- – it's just the Bucks, you know. They're going to be so good, and they're going to throw a lot, and they're going to score a lot. So, you know, you compare them to a guy like DJ Moore, how many more touchdown passes are the Bucks going to throw than the than the Panthers? I mean, it could yeah, be I, 20. I think, like the thing that I said about the Cowboys and the uh, distribution of the football is like, Take that times eleven D with Tampa Bay. Because, yeah, but uh, okay, yeah. The, because Tom Brady's going to throw the ball twenty plus percent of the time to his running backs. He just always like it cut back a little bit last year, but he still did. And they went and got Geo for a purpose. And OJ Howard and Rob Gronkowski are going to get seven or eight targets a game, maybe up to ten. And so I don't like Evans' targets and catches last year were pretty awful. For a top 20 receiver. I mean, for for most of last season, he was on like an 800-yard pace. It was like right. up until the last three or four games where that really picked up. And it was just the touchdowns that were saving him. He was kind of like a touchdown or bust tight end for a, for a big stretch of last. Well, season. he had like two games where he had two targets and scored a touchdown, right? But what, okay, what does this mean, though, that you guys think Mike Evans is done? Because if you No, don't, not at all. Not at all. I right. don't. I don't I think they're going to be like a worse version of Tyler Lockett. Jamie, what do you think? Can can anybody give a little love to these guys? Jamie, are you feeling them at all? I love the CBS ADP for them. You know, I, I think that's where they should be going, you know, which is the back end of the fourth round. Back end of the fourth round? Yeah, you know, I, I, again, you know, you're, you're still, it's like, we just did a draft, right, where uh, it, it's a 12-team PPR league. You see the results on the site. I started with, with Dalvin Cook. Uh, and then I went DK Metcalf and Allen Robinson, my next two picks. So we got to round four. It's coming back to me. I see Mike Evans may slip. And I'm like, if you tell me I get Mike Evans as my third receiver starting that way, I am in heaven. You know, that would have been absolutely perfect to get those three receivers there. Now, where he typically has been going in probably the NFC drafts based or the fantasy pros ADP, you know, that's closer to, you know, where you have to uh, at the back end of round three. You know, that's just too rich, you know, given who some of the other receivers are that are there, especially in PPR. In non-PPR or half PPR, again, if you're taking a guy that's going to score 10 touchdowns and probably still get 1,000 yards if he's healthy because he's done it every season of his career and he's still, 
well within his prime with the best quarterback he's ever played with and the best coach he's ever had. I think 1,008 is, is within range. 1,010, if you told me you got that, I'd, I'd say that's probably realistic. Now, he's probably doing that on 70 catches, though. That's where the PPR versus the other formats comes into play. Well, that's, I, what, I think, like, that, that's exactly what I have him at. I've got him projected for 74 catches, 1,082 yards, and eight touchdowns. Like Almost exactly what Jamie said. That just projects to be my number 25 wide receiver in PPR. And if you look at what happened in the 11 games that they played with Antonio Brown last season, it was like... Evans averaged, I think, 15 PPR points. God was was at 14. Brown was at 13. I, I think the the biggest thing they all have going for them, and I think you can even include Brown here, is just they all have a high floor. I don't know if anyone in this offense, barring several injuries, can be a top six wide receiver. But I think all three of them could very easily be top 24. Well, if you I want to be a little more uh, optimistic about it, I, you look at Tom Brady. Um, he was at 7.5 yards per attempt last year. And Jameis Winston in 2018 and 19 with the Bucks was at 8.1 or 8.2. And 8.1, that's what Brady was at in the last eight games of the season when, when uh, Antonio Brown came along. So I think we're going to get even more passing yards from Brady than we did last year. I mean, per game. Uh, this could be the offense just could be better. Second year in the system, I, I think he could win the MVP. Brady, I think he could be that good. That might be what. How we're many need. MVPs do you have? Maybe just him one. and Wilson. <laughs> just two. I'm giving you the, the MVP vote is going to be Wilson one, Brady two. Um, Nobody yeah, else gets votes. But I'm just saying that. <laughs> that's right. I'm just saying that uh, if you want to be optimistic, I think there's a little bit more there for Tom Brady that he could be even even better since he did kind of hit his stride late in the season. Right, that you, was the yeah. the eleven game stretch I was talking about was including the playoffs and those last eight games. Yeah, Evans did leave one of those early with an injury, though, so that kind of drags him down. Because in the first seven games that he played with Antonio Brown, Evans was by far the best of the three. And then in the playoffs, Godwin was the man. So I see the frustration there. You never know who it's going to be, and um, we all like Antonio Brown, hundredth overall, right around there. He actually went seventy eighth overall in the draft that we just did mm-hmm. to Heath. Okay, let's go to the next group then. Uh, this is Cooper Cup, Tyler Lockett. This is the Heath group. DJ Moore, I guess it's the Chris group, and uh, Deontay Johnson. Those are your round five wide receivers. Uh, we'll leave Ayuk and Chase. They're at the turn at 5-6. We'll leave them uh, for the next discussion. So let's take a look at Cooper Cup, Tyler Lockett, DJ Moore, and Deontay Johnson. Jamie, these guys are all within five picks of each other. Cup, Lockett, Moore, and Johnson. Your thoughts? Love the value for the first two. Uh, you know, Cup and, and Tyler Lockett, I keep moving Cooper Cup up. We've been talking about them quite a bit the last couple of days on on HQ on FFT there, because we had Jonathan Jones with the Rams, and then we did uh, wide receiver take your pick with the Rams guys as well. And so Sportsline, I don't know if you saw this, Adam, but Sportsline actually has the two Rams guys projected as top ten wide receivers in PPR. Cup, I believe, is number eight, and Woods is number ten. So um, another just data point that is. Uh, very much in love with the Rams receivers. I, I've said this, you know, a few times since the Cam Akers injury. Uh, Peter King, who's you know as respected as anybody in the league, thinks that Matthew Stafford could lead the NFL in pass attempts and passing yards. Well, who's going to be the beneficiary of that? I don't think it's going to be Van Jefferson and Deshaun Jackson. It's going to be Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. So, Cup is uh, is a star. He's been a very good receiver uh, throughout the course of his career, and this could be his best year yet. You know, I know Dave said Robert Woods breakout. I uh, wouldn't be surprised if Cooper Cup is, is going to have a similar type of ascension, you know, just with the uh, improved quarterback play. And I, I said something on FF, 
to on HQ today that probably would help explain like the way I've discussed this whole group of wide receivers. I have AJ Brown and Julio Jones. I have Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. I have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. All three of those duos ahead of any of the Cowboys, any of the Buccaneers, and any of the Steelers. And the the difference is that those guys don't have near as much competition for targets as mm-hmm. the other guys. Those guys are in concentrated passing offenses where they're going to get a high percentage of the team's targets. I really, really want to see, you know, obviously the Steelers play their first real preseason game tonight, and the expectation is that the first team offense should be out there. I really want to see how comfortable Ben Roethlisberger looks in this new offense. They keep, depending on who's being asked at training camp, it's like, oh, this offense is exactly the same thing we've always run. And then if they ask, that's Tomlin. And then if they ask Ben Roethlisberger, he's like, yeah, man, there's a lot of really different new things that I'm having to learn. This is one thing that does seem clear is he's going to have to play under center a lot more. And they're going to incorporate a lot more play action in the offense. He only ran under center, I believe, 10% of the time. And uh, they had the lowest play action rate in the NFL last season on pass attempts. So it's going to be, I think there could be an adjustment period. And I do have Deontay Johnson ranked highest of the Steelers wide receivers. I like drafting him in this range, but I do wonder how much of the very quick short targets where Ben just kind of dropped back one step out of the shotgun and hit him for five yards, you know, how much of that passing as an extension of the running game is there going to be if this offense does look drastically different? Because just by design, those passes may not be there if Roethlisberger's under center and has to drop back five steps. Yeah, so pick a Steelers wide receiver at their ADP. That Who's your favorite Steelers wide receiver? ADP would be Deontay for, at 55, Claypool at 69, and Schuster, Juju, Smith-Schuster at 72. It's easily Juju for me. Jamie, what'd you I say? I think it's still Deontay. Deontay for, for Chris, Juju for Heath. Jamie? Juju. Juju. You, so you like him better than Claypool? I like him at that cost, and I like him at PPR better it's than It's three Claypool. spots different than Claypool. It's basically the same cost. But it's cheaper. So. Come on. It's the same pick. I like Juju better in PPR. Okay. There's a lot better. It, it, it is only three picks, but Juju, and this is only true in our drafts. I don't know if it's true in all the other ones, but Juju has a much wider band of where he's going to be drafted. Like You're not going to see Chase Claypool fall into round seven. Sometimes we see Juju just fall into round seven for some reason because half the people in the league just don't like him. Well, I mean, Chris uh, can tell you this. We were just in an, in an analyst draft uh, that was half PPR that went way, way heavier at wide receiver than any other draft I've done, including the analyst drafts that I've been in. And I still got Juju. I think it was the 29th wide receiver in round six. So, you know, if you're just looking at the number of where he was drafted at his position versus the spot, you know, it was a little surprising to still see him there. You know, so... Uh, I was actually thrilled. He's my third receiver behind Keenan Allen and, and Cooper Cup, and I was absolutely thrilled about that. Yeah, so you guys are going with Juju. Chris is going with uh, Deontay at their values. I think everybody has Deontay as their number one guy, right? Just yes. Yes. Among, among the Steelers, right? But you can wait a round and a half to get the others. The You know, the, the case for Claypool is kind of like the case for CeeDee Lamb, just hoping for a year two breakout. I was Claypool had five games last year with more than 60 yards. That is really not good. 
when you compare, that's fewer than Lamb, that's fewer than Ayuk, that's fewer than Higgins, that was fewer than Metcalf, A.J. Brown, and Terry McLaurin when they were rookies. It's more than Michael Gallup, more than Cortland Sutton, who had big second years, but basically you look at Chase Claypool, did a lot of it in one game, <laughs> and but- and then in the playoffs, Ben Roethlisberger threw for 500 yards and Claypool had 59 yards. He did have two touchdowns, but uh, I, you know, I... I know a lot of people who love who just think Claypool is going to be the guy this year. I don't know if Dave, I know a lot, Dave, but I know Dave some. Does. Dave, Dave does. I, I kind of, um, I kind of feel that way. You know what it is about Juju is I need to know, and I don't know that we will know. Are they going to just keep him in the slot almost exclusively? That was a problem last year. His slot rate keeps going up. I think they need to move him out of the slot. Uh, I think that would help. But if he's going to just be their slot guy, then I don't think he can be as good as we're hoping he can be. Juju, this well. Is. He can, but he, we know he can be better than where he's being drafted because he was last year. Um, well, I guess so, but a lot of guys are are better than Pittsburgh's offense is really hard to make sense of last season because it wasn't a good offense except that they scored a bunch of points. And Ben Rossberger had like a pretty mediocre 33 touchdown season. Yeah. Well, they had no running game, right? They had no running game, so. Isn't it crazy to think that they were eleven and zero and finished twelve and four? It's just nuts. Well, that was uh, it was a big thing. Like they were the worst undefeated team that yeah. deep into the season ever. They were still undefeated. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, I'll take being the worst undefeated team of all time. <laughs> yeah, those wins still count. Um, yeah, it's just like Juju was better than he's being drafted. But if he had a normal touchdown rate, he wouldn't have been. You know, it. That's the thing that's hard. Yeah, but is, if he had a normal yards per reception, he would have been even better. Right, yeah, it's and, a weird. Situation. It's so hard to say what this offense is going to look like because last right. year's offense was such an extreme and, uh, outlier in terms of volume and you know short passes. And I think like that's one thing with Juju too that I think if he plays the exact same role that he did last year, he's going to have a higher yards per target and a higher yards per reception than he did last year, almost assuredly. And I think it'll probably be significantly different because he is a guy who his first three years in the league made big plays on occasion broke tackles on occasion and just he didn't do any of that last year yeah and you know what he's had some huge plays like 80 plus yard plays in his career and at least two of them have come out of the slot so he's not Juju Smith-Schuster is not just a possession receiver in the slot he can make big plays this will be a really really interesting team to see who the best wide receiver is I think Ben tries to get paid too I know you could say that was going to be the case last year potentially as well but uh, he came back to Pittsburgh for a reason. You know, I mean, he, he, he said there was other offers out there that, you know, he could have taken. Um, I, I, I would imagine, you know, Roethlisberger, if he's better, Juju will be better and the production will be better. But it's funny because it's like we're, we're and Heath brought this up with where he's being drafted. You know, I've, I've said this a lot of times. If you take just the, the, the outside numbers, you take the catches and the, and the touchdowns, you'd say, oh, my God, give me this guy all day. What was it, 97 and 9? And mm-hmm. you look in the middle and you're like, ugh, yeah. <laughs> you know, the yards are just terrible. Yeah. So if he can still be an 80 plus catch guy, which I think is well within range, I would probably still, you know, with the extra game, put him over 90. Um, and he gets, you know, close to a thousand yards. That's a pretty good value for where you're taking him. I, I do think like, cause I, you know, I'm always the one most skeptical of some of the narratives, especially when I'm putting projections together. But the fact that Juju said on multiple occasions that like Ben talked him into coming back and he came back to play. I find it hard to believe that that would be the case, and then he would see a significant decrease in targets. Yep. Okay, so let's get back to round five here because we did not really talk about uh, DJ Moore or, well, we like Cup and Lockett there. 
We talked about Deontay Johnson and DJ Moore. Chris, I'll let you talk about him since you're the highest on him. I've just been reading my DJ Moore notes today, and I've changed my mind like six times. <laughs> you know, let's not forget that he had in four, in 15 games, he had 66 catches last year. What kind of routes is he going to run? It's changed so dramatically from 2019 to 2020. He's been top 10 in yards among wide receivers two straight seasons. He's had four touchdowns both of those seasons. So, Chris, take it away. You're the high guy on DJ Moore, someone that you would be drafting in round five. Yeah, I mean, the case for DJ Moore is just he's been historically productive at his age. He's been basically at every age of his career. He's been like one of the eight or so most productive receivers in NFL history. Um, in terms of yards, that must be. Yards and catches, yeah, and even efficiency. And, you know, it's, it's really just the touchdowns. I don't necessarily think there's any reason he can't score touchdowns. I think last season, if you if you go back and watch the the tape, as they say, there were a lot of just situations where Teddy just missed or just there were obvious big plays or touchdowns. Uh, I remember whichever late season game he left with an ankle injury, he should have scored a touchdown on that play and Teddy Bridgewater threw it behind him and he got hurt. So if they get better quarterback play, I think DJ Moore could take a huge step forward. I think he's a, as talented as Stefan Dix and has that kind of potential to break out. If Sam Darnold made a Josh Allen esque leap, I just don't think that's going to happen. I think DJ Moore can be a high end, uh, solid number two with bad quarterback play because we've seen it. Uh, and he's wide receiver 17 for me because I think he's pretty safe. Mm -hmm. um, and he's wide receiver 21 and ADP. So I'll just yeah. conclude with this. Look, if he's really going in round five, and he's basically the last one in a, in a kind of a big group before you start to get to Jamar Chase and Brandon Ayuk and uh, Kenny Galladay, Odell Beckham. Then that's you know then that's very nice. <laughs> if he's going in round four though, if you have to make the choice, you're on the clock. You have to take Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, or DJ Moore. What do you do, Chris? I think you take Moore, right? Um, yeah, I think so. Jamie, I, I would like point of clarification first. I, I'm the DJ Moore guy. Oh, you are. I'm sorry. I have him sixteenth. So, <laughs> okay. I'm oh, sorry. I hate DJ. So, Moore. so is anybody taking a Bucks wide receiver ahead of Moore? I, I would take Godwin over. I would not. I would not take a Cowboys wide receiver over Moore, dude. Oh no, I take that back. I have more one spot ahead of Godwin. I would not take a Steelers wide receiver over Moore. I do have Amari Cooper. Well, no, neither with the drafters. Just ahead of DJ Moore. All right, you want to go CD Lamb versus DJ Moore, fellas? PPR bet? Uh, sure. I feel yeah. pretty good about it. I feel pretty good about it. Well, I, well, you better make sure Dak is healthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dak's got to be healthy. But I really like DJ Moore. I mean, he's awesome. But I just, I'm really worried about the touchdowns. I'm really worried about Sam Darnold. Oh. Yeah, Lamb's going to score at least at least two more touchdowns than DJ Moore. <laughs> I think he's going to score four more. I think he's going to score 10. Moore's going to score six. Wow. Yeah, also, Maybe. I think... Look... I, I, this is this is another one where it's like... CeeDee Lamb is awesome. But there's not, like, an objective reason why we should believe CeeDee Lamb is currently a better player. I didn't say he was. DJ Moore. That doesn't right, matter. Right, no, no, no. But, like, I think that's the assumption. I don't that, know objectively if DJ Moore is better than CeeDee Lamb either. I have him back-to-back, -back, so, like... If I made a bet, it would just be for fun. Oh, all right. I have them a long ways apart. <laughs> no, yeah, look, no, I, I think I think we cannot ignore the the low catches from from Moore last year. You know, I understand it. 
with the new coaching staff, he just he played a different role, and he had sixty. What I forgot what I said. Sixty six catches. So if he's going to be a lower catch, higher yards per catch guy, that doesn't really set up very well in PPR, and that's why I think Lamb. You know, that's why I would easily take Lamb. But okay, uh, we will um, we will move on now to the next group. <clears throat> First, though, this is not even a question. Okay, if you're going to take our advice on anything, get Sonos Arc. Uh, this speaker is incredible. It has changed the way I watch TV and listen to music. So you can experience home theater like never before with Dolby Atmos and enjoy immersive sound that fills the room from wall to wall and floor to ceiling. And by the way, have you ever watched... Chris, you ever see uh, True Detective Season 3? I have not watched Season 3 yet. Anybody Season 3? It's great. Can't understand a word that the main character says. Great actor. (laughs) Mumbles the entire time. Can't understand a thing. There's a feature... On the Sonos Arc, um, where you wouldn't have... I had to put subtitles on when I was watching that show, and other shows, too. Speech enhancement mode in the app. When you're watching TV and movies, you can clarify the sound of the human voice. So when a character whispers or the action intensifies and you can't really hear them that well, the speech enhancement mode, it is so cool. And the night sound is another uh, mode in the app that you can use. Turn down the loud effects when others at home are trying to work or sleep. How cool is this? And I just can't express to you how great everything sounds. I cannot wait to clearly hear the booze raining down in MetLife Stadium this fall uh, when I'm watching football. I haven't been able to watch football yet, I don't think anyway, with the Sonos arc, so I can't wait for that. But I've been watching a lot of baseball, a lot of basketball, and it just sounds great. And when I'm not watching TV, I put Spotify on, Bluetooth it over to the Sonos, and listen to uh, listen to music for for hours, basically, on the Sonos R because it sounds terrific. To learn more, go to Sonos.com, S-O-N-O-S.com, Sonos.com. Check it out. Jamie, here we go into the end of round five and round six. We are looking at Brandon Ayuk, Jamar Chase, Kenny Galladay, and Odell Beckham. Let's do those four. Chase, Ayuk, Galladay, Beckham. How do you rank them? Uh... Chase, Ayuk, Galladay, Beckham. Oh, well, how about that? Is Beckham wildly overdrafted, guys, at 67th overall, wide receiver 27? Yeah, this is another one where the CBS ADP is, I, I think, uh, better than the Fantasy Pros ADP. Uh, I believe last time I saw he was 92nd overall for Beckham. So I have no problem taking a shot on him there. 67, no chance. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, this is like, there. there's some, some tears happening in the, for me, in this range of wide receivers, because I don't really think Galladay is that close to Jamar Chase for me either. Yes. Um, and I've got Galladay quite a bit ahead of Beckham. So it's uh, this is a weird range. One thing I do, I've been thinking a lot about with Chase, and th- there's been some signs of this. There were some quotes about this, I think, out of camp yesterday. Um, but I've been thinking about it for a couple weeks. In baseball this season, it's been like the worst season for rookies in the last 20 years, at least overall production for rookies is way down. Big hyped prospects have really struggled and it's because they didn't play last season. At least that's my interpretation of it. And, you know, Jamar chase, Rondell Moore, Rashad Bateman. There was another hot, one of the higher end prospects who didn't really play last season, but Jamar chase hasn't played in a competitive football game since January of 2020. So he talked about it yesterday at camp, how it was, you know, kind of getting mentally uh, up to speed. It took him a little while. That's, you know, that's kind of what he said, explains his slow start to camp. And I just, I do wonder if that might be 
an issue for him, especially early on in the season. The Bengals do have the luxury of, you know, another kind of number one alpha type receiver and T Higgins and a very solid guy in Tyler Boyd. Maybe Chase opens up as kind of the number two slash three because they want to give him a chance to work his way in and get up to speed coming off a, a season where he didn't play. You know, I still, I'm willing to draft him here. He was wide receiver 20 and I took him at the third pick of the fifth round in that flex league Jamie was talking about last Saturday, but you know, that was because I hadn't had a wide receiver yet. And so my approach there was just take guys who have the chance to be, you know, big upside contributors. But I think there he's a, a risky play at this point is where I'm, re, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm getting with him. Yeah. Even the best rookie wide receivers almost always start off slowly. So just keep that in mind. Be patient. Nobody's dropping Jamar Chase or anything, but just be patient with it. Uh, who's your favorite Bengals wide receiver when it comes to ADP? Jamar Chase at 61, T. Higgins at 71, Tyler Boyd at 89. Boyd. Boyd. I think it's actually Chase for me. It's Higgins for me. Boyd is... Uh, I hate, I hate when people say this now because everybody says it, but he's a bit of a PPR cheat code. He's... 90-plus catches, I don't know, 1,100-ish yards, something like that, six touchdowns. This is like 16-game paces. When he's had a healthy starting quarterback, he's played so much the last few years with a, with a crappy quarterback because Burrow gets hurt and Dalton gets hurt. But when he's been on the field with a competent quarterback, Tyler Boyd has been, I keep saying, he's like a Julian Edelman light, not even that light. He's a number two per game PPR wide receiver. But... You know, Heath, we talked about this a couple months ago. There was uh, some talk that maybe Jamar Chase would play a little bit out of the slot, whereas A.J. Green never played out of the slot, basically never. So I wonder if that makes the outlook a little bit worse for Tyler Boyd. Oh, I think that it definitely makes the outlook worse for Tyler Boyd, but the outlook could, I think it almost add another wide receiver, and Tyler Boyd might still be a good value in uh, round eight or round nine. Yeah. So. Like, that's just, this is just, that's the thing, is when we're talking about CBS ADP and he's 97th, well, that's a combination of non-PPR and PPR. That makes a little more sense. We're only looking at PPR drafts right now. I don't I don't get this at all. I actually have um, Boyd projected one spot ahead of Higgins in full PPR, but I think Higgins obviously has a lot more upside. Um, but I, I like Boyd more than three of the guys that we just talked about going in this round. Kenny Galladay, Brandon Ayuk, and Odell Beckham. Wow. Well, Beckham, yeah. But you like him more than Galladay and Ayuk, huh? Tyler Boyd. Uh, and only in full PPR. Uh-huh. Okay, because Ayuk, Ayuk and Higgins, who we'll get to in a bit. All right, fine. I'll, you know what? I'll come back to Higgins. Let's talk about Ayuk. And he was a, he was the number four wide receiver in fantasy in his last seven games uh, per game. He was on pace for 105 catches, 1,333 yards, and nine touchdowns, and averaged 10 targets per game in the last seven games of the season, His last, uh, the last seven games. So that was crazy. Top four wide receiver per game. Um, yeah, and, and so we're going to take, well, we're taking Jamar Chase over him. Nope. nope. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, I, I am. I think the Bengals are going to throw the ball a lot more. Um, we know for sure Brandon Ayuk's not going to be the number one target in San Francisco, or at least as reasonably sure as we can be, because the thing about both Ayuk and Debo Samuel is they've had stretches where they've looked like amazing fantasy players, you know, both as rookies. Those stretches mostly came when uh, George Kittle wasn't playing. 
in the games that he played with George Kittle last season, Brandon Ayuk was on pace for 91 targets, 59 catches, 787 yards, and five touchdowns, while Kittle was on pace for 1,400 yards and 130 targets. So Mm. I just, I worry that he's a number two and maybe a number two A wide receiver in a low volume passing offense. It's, it's, it's such a you know wild card because we don't know what Trey Lance is going to do. You know, Lance could come in and sure. you know he could he could favor Ayuk, he could favor Debo Samuel, he could favor George Kittle. You know, it could be a more diverse passing attack where they're going to you know use use all three of those guys differently. Uh, we saw two years ago how creative they were with Debo Samuel. You know, he scored three rushing touchdowns. So you know, it's uh, it, it's somewhat of a gamble to take Ayuk. You know, uh, as a borderline number two receiver, high end number three receiver. That's where he's being drafted, but. Man, it's so tantalizing based on what he did last year to, to to look at those numbers and say, okay, he did that with Nick Mullins and CJ Beathard, you know, and and what could he do with just you know better better quarterback play overall? So hopefully there's a there's a big second season for Ayuk. Uh, I'm I'm somewhat confident. I think it's more he's the one A to George Kittle as opposed to being the two and two A with Debo Samuel. Okay, let's talk really quickly about Galladay and then we'll move on. My favorite Kenny Galladay stat is. In 2019, without Matthew Stafford, it's in my notes somewhere. He was on pace for 60 catches, 1,110 yards, and eight touchdowns. That was with the Detroit quarterbacks on pace for 3,338 yards, 16 touchdowns, and 20 interceptions. Daniel Jones is actually better than that. So Kenny Galladay was really good. With well, maybe he's better than that. I one think would, one would certainly hope. Uh, he's, he, he was last year. He was good with David Blau and Jeff Driscoll, whatever. So that's just my point there. So Jeff Driscoll might be a pretty good comp. Another so another guy that you know you're taking the unproven. A lot of people are taking the unproven Jamar Chase or the somewhat proven uh, Brandon Ayuk over Kenny Galladay. I wonder if the hamstring injury is is part of that as well. Of course it is. You know, it's it's the combination of the uncertainty of Daniel Jones, the injury risk after he missed the majority of the season last year, the fact that he's now banged up again to start the season. This Giants receiving core has a lot of moving parts to it. You know, Sterling Shepard has been a very underrated wide receiver. Uh, Kadarius Tony, we don't know what exactly he's going to do. You know, certainly he's fantastic with the ball in his hands, but will he get enough targets and opportunities? No. Darius Slayton, when Daniel Jones was at his best, was playing out of this world as a rookie, you know, for what his role was an opportunity. And then you factor in that this should still be a run first team because Saquon Barkley with the Jason Garrett offense should be the leader of the pack, you know? So um, it, it's, it's, it's so up in the air. You know, I, I, I originally started with Galladay somewhere around 23 to 25, you know, he was in that range and then just slowly moving down and moving down and moving down. Now the injury, it's easy to move him down. And so he's just somebody that I don't want to draft uh, a lot of. And I have him on one of my dynasty rosters and it's okay. You know, he, he, he is what he is. It's hard to trade him for fair value at this point because of the injury. But I just don't think he's anything more than a number three fantasy receiver. You're going to have to bank on him scoring a lot of touchdowns. And I don't know if he's going to do that with Daniel Jones. And he's, he's one of the more format-dependent receivers in fantasy, or at least in my projections. I, I've got him actually as a number two wide receiver in non-PPR. Um, but he's never never earned 120 targets, never had more than 70 catches in a season. And now he's... Like I don't, I don't know that he necessarily is going to see a lot more targets in this offense. All yeah, right, let's go a little I, faster here. We get to uh, late round six and into round seven. We've got exciting play. I mean, I still think we got some exciting players here. You guys tell me if I'm wrong, but I still think there's a ton of upside still on the board. We haven't reached the point where it's like, I'll settle. We got Claypool, 
Higgins, Juju, Sutton, Devontae Smith. Claypool, Higgins, Juju, Sutton, Devontae Smith. Jamie, what do you think about this group? I like this group a lot. You know, Higgins is uh, getting pushed down because of the addition of Jamar Chase. And, you know, by some accounts, he's been their best receiver in camp. Um, he was great last year with Burrow. I think he has a chance to be great, you know, even with Chase being there and just, you know, hopefully uh, not losing too many targets with the addition of Chase. But, you know, there was over 100 targets to, to be dispersed without A.J. Green there. So uh, Higgins I love a lot. Claypool, I think, is fantastic. Um, you know, uh, you, you've heard me say this a lot. If Roethlisberger's elbow is right and they challenge down the field more, he could be the best Steelers wide receiver. It wouldn't be mm -hmm. a shock. Um, he's got so much potential. Uh, Brian McFadden, who knows the Steelers as well as anybody, uh, one of our NFL analysts on HQ. Um, he's on the All Things Covered podcast with his cousin, Patrick Peterson. He said, and I asked him this, you know, if you were lining up right now to play the Steelers, which guy scares you the most? And he says, Claypool. You know, and, and, and that's because he feels like he can do everything. Uh, he can play inside, play outside, speed, physical, you know, just a, a beast. Yeah. And so he's a great, you know, wide receiver to target in this range. So those two guys, the two sophomores, are, are the ones that, you know, get me the most excited. But I hope Devontae Smith is healthy. Man, he could be so good uh, based on what you saw last year and, 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 and leading this team in targets. And, and that's something to buy into. You know, anytime you can find a target leader this late, it's, uh, it's a great situation to be in. Yeah, and this is definitely... Let's talk about it more from a broader sense, right? You got Claypool, Higgins, Juju, Sutton, and Devontae Smith. The next, then there's a seven pick gap. And then the next group of wide receivers is Chark, Judy. It won't be Chark anymore. You got to figure. But Chark, Judy, Robbie Anderson, Brandon Cooks, Tyler Boyd. Wow, still guys that you, I'm sure you'd be happy with as your number three guy, right? Anderson is a steal here. My God. <clears throat> Yeah, but I mean that I'm, there might be one player for everyone that you just I feel that way about Brandon Cooks. Uh, well, I, I, everybody I think, feels that way about yeah. Tyler Boyd, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, I think Anderson, Cooks, and Boyd, all three. Um, like, I, I I was I think what you were about to say was that Higgins, Juju, Sutton. Is there a drop after that group? And there's three guys in the next group that I think really belong up in that group. But do they have the same upside? That might be the difference. So you could see Higgins having a crazy, you know, top 12 season. Um, I don't know. if Can you really see that from anyone in this group of Chark, Judy, Judy. Anderson? Judy, Cooks? 100%. Yeah. I, I, I think Judy is as talented as anyone from that class. I think the quarterback play has to be better in Denver this season, no matter who it is. <laughs> either. Sure. Drew Locke plays well enough to keep the job or Teddy Bridgewater provides a solid floor. Judy has been drawing rave reviews from camp. He's an incredible route runner. And last season, he showed the ability to both make plays with the balls and ball in his hands uh, and make plays down the field. Obviously, the drops are concerned, but if you're worried about the fact that he dropped 10 passes and six in one game, that was a really bad one. He had 140 yards and a touchdown the following game after the big drop game. And I think you'd be looking at the wrong thing. The fact that he was wide open enough or open enough as a rookie to get as many targets as he did. Um, I think he's a special talent and I, I, I could absolutely see us talking about Jerry Judy as a top 12 wide receiver next season. So, somebody with, uh, with Denver, I don't think it was Vic Fangio and I don't think it was Pat Sherman. It could have been Teddy Bridgewater, but I, I don't know who it was. So I don't want to attribute it, but somebody said watching Jerry Judy run routes. Was they Teddy. don't know if he has ACLs. Yeah, that was he's just making so many moves and so many you know cuts that it just kind of defies logic. Mm -hmm. uh, Chris is right. I would take Judy over Cortland Sutton. You know, and and they're close. You know, I I think both have the chance, but this is kind of like 
the the younger player taking the step forward ahead of the veteran. And you say that because Cortland Sutton's only a four year guy, but um, you know, if Sutton was right, and I think Sutton's going to end up falling behind Judy because you know the the reports haven't exactly been glowing about Sutton, but they've been better lately. That Sutton can end up being a really good value pick as well because I do think that if Drew Locke takes that next step, as, as Chris alluded to, or maybe it is Teddy Bridgewater, but I do think it it's better for them if Locke is better. Um, then those guys could be fantastic. Noah fan as well, because there's so much talent in this yeah. receiving core that, uh, you know, I, I think we were all kind of crossing our fingers a little bit that if Aaron Rodgers was going somewhere, it was going to be Denver right. because, oh, yeah. you know, just, just what this offense could have looked <clears throat> like. I think Cortland Sutton and Kenny Galladay are basically the same guy. And at this point, given that they're both you know, working their way back from something, I have them ranked right next to each other. Same. I will say even before the finger injury, DJ Chark was outside of my top 40. I just, I don't, I'm not sure. Like he, almost like 48% of his pass, his receiving yards and five of his eight touchdowns in 2019 came in the first five games. Basically since then, he's been like a 52 yards per game guy. Yeah. I know hey, the quarterback play hasn't been great and we're expecting more, but he also has more uh, competition for targets with LaVisca rising. I think Marvin Jones is going to have a significant role and they're probably not going to pass the ball 611 times or whatever it was last season. He so. might not, he might have the same quarterback. <laughs> Still competition. Yeah. So, uh, right. That's DJ Chark. He's currently wide receiver 33, 83rd overall, but expect that to be a little bit lower. Um, I think when you look at just comparing the two groups, it's always hard when I say, here's a group of five and here's a group of five, and I try to make a generalization about the two groups because you can pick one player in each and say, no, it doesn't apply. But... <laughs> Claypool, Higgins, Juju, Sutton, Devontae Smith versus Chark, Judy, Robbie Anderson, Cooks, Tyler Boyd. I do feel like there's more upside in the first group overall than the second group. But we're still talking about if you wait for, to draft your number three receiver, I mean, this is wide receiver up through wide receiver 37 is Tyler Boyd, so it makes sense. These are still guys that, for the most part, you can feel comfortable with as your number three receiver, particularly in a PPR league, if it's Tyler Boyd, <clears throat> but maybe you just feel like maybe the the general public just feels like Claypool, Higgins, those two in particular have bigger upside, which you know they probably do compared to like Brandon Cooks and Tyler Boyd. Fair? So sum it up. Did I sum it up appropriately? Yes. Okay. More or less. All right. Yeah, I know. You know, you get into the weeds and this guy, it's it's Yeah, tough. Cooks and Boyd are different kinds of players, but yeah, I, I think that mostly makes sense. Right. <clears throat> so then we go to, now do we still feel comfortable with these guys as our number three? How about Debo Samuel? We're at 93 overall. We're at wide receiver 38. Debo Samuel, Will Fuller, Antonio Brown. Also, there's a player I skipped in this and it's uh, it's Michael Thomas. So tell me right now. Where should Michael Thomas be drafted? Let's start with that. Heath, when, when would you draft Michael Thomas? It's uh, It totally comes down to my roster construction, but I generally start thinking about it in round eight. Okay. Easier Around. to do if you have an IR spot, obviously. Yes. Then, then we'll talk about this group. Debo Samuel, Will Fuller, Antonio Brown. Jamie, those three. Debo, Fuller, Brown. Feel good about them as your number three receiver? No. No? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> These are number four receivers for me. Okay. I love Will Fuller. I feel really good about Antonio Brown as my number three receiver. Oh, yeah. Oh, See, I, like I, this. You know, I thought you said Marquise Brown. Excuse me. Um, no, I don't feel good about him as a number three receiver, but I, I do think that Brown is the, the best of this group. Antonio Brown. Okay. Yeah. You love Will Fuller, Chris. How can I you think love Will Fuller? 
I love Will Fuller too. Let's go preach, Chris. The guy breaks your heart every year over and over and over again. And he's not healthy now. He's practiced once with his new team. But but keep in mind, he's got an extra week to get healthy. So that's... He hasn't ever practiced (laughs) once with his new team. Yeah, exactly. One time. Right, and he's wide receiver 39. So like, yeah, you don't have to invest in him. You can get him after the 100th pick. This is a guy who last season was... 0.2 0.2 points per game behind A.J. Brown. That's totally different, though. So It is. Pastor, it is, yes. Deshaun Watson is not his quarterback. What's that? Yes, you can. Pastor rule that Nobody passed that. Nobody passed that rule while I was out of Sure show. you can. He's the number 39 wide receiver. If you get 11 games where he's a top 10 wide receiver per game, that's an amazing pick. He's not like, doing that, though. We saw him play last season as a legitimate number one Maybe wide receiver. Maybe juiced up. Okay, oh, certainly. No, those, no, no, just, those effects, maybe. those effects stay. Like that is a <laughs> that is like a thing across sports. Guys who take PEDs, you don't see their performance decline. I think I'm, you do. I'm, I don't know. Thrilled he may not be healthy. I'm thrilled that Will Fuller. He's not practicing right now. It's, it's, it's right, right. No, that's situation. fine. He's he's wide receiver thirty nine. Like, yeah, I, I see Chris's point here. I mean, I, I oh, agree. But it's fine. At this spot, it's fine. But I don't think he's coming anything, doing anything close to what he did a year ago. I think he absolutely could. I, I like, yes, he he's, he's not playing. He could. I mean, anybody could. No, but Chris is, Chris is, that's not what Chris meant. Right, no. But he's done it. <laughs> with yeah, right, he did it with a better quarterback and, and maybe on something. <laughs> Again, I'm glad he took PEDs. He's still going to have those benefits. And Tua Tagovailoa I'm is clipping one that. of the most talented quarterbacks in the league. I'm, I'm clipping that. I'm going to put that at the top oh, of the show. On. I'm glad he put. I'm glad he took PDs. Jamie, Jamie, do you think Joe Burrow is one of the most talented quarterbacks in the league? I think what I saw from Joe Burrow in the NFL proves that he is a more talented quarterback right now than Tua. Yes. Do you think it's fair to judge Joe Burrow right now based on his talent level, like what we see in training camp? Um, I think it's probably fair to judge them both equally. Yes. Right, so Tagovailoa is having an amazing training. Size of what Joe Burrow did versus right, right, but he's coming back from a. Uh, did. I don't really care about training camps. I see the lights on. Right, right, but he's coming back from a serious injury, just like Tua was last season. He wasn't uh, fully practicing early on. He was. He didn't have a full training camp. Oh, I Tua's going to be better. Be Absolutely, but he's not just on Watson though. He was a comparable. And, and Fuller, Fuller did all of this last year with 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 one guy around him and Brandon Cooks, who's clearly better than anything Will Fuller has around him right now. But the group that he has around him right now is more talented mm-hmm. than what the Texans had last year. Yeah, I agree. But the no, quarterback I, downgrade with the wide receiver upgrade. I don't disagree with any of that, but I think the Dolphins are going to throw more than the Texans did. And yeah, okay, maybe he's he doesn't have to be a top ten wide receiver per game to be worth this. Price. Yeah, no, right. Everybody agrees. Everybody agrees that he's tag is great. Absolutely, we, tag is great. We don't need to even argue with this. Everybody agrees that he he has averaged ten point seven yards per target in his last three seasons. That is. Phenomenal. He led the NFL at 11.7 last year. Um, some people think Will Fuller is great. I think half of us. Uh, I think he's great. I just don't like the situation. I mean, yeah. the fact you're already down a game. So for a guy that's never played more than what, 11 games, or but at that, least not 11 that games, probably doesn't matter because you figure in week one, you really don't have to start. It's Will one Fuller. less chance for him to get hurt. That's true. But, and, right? but again, you're already you're that's already losing. You're already losing one opportunity to to, to play him. <laughs> Yeah, I guess right. But if you're right, but if he is your number four wide receiver, then you don't have to start him anyway. He's, he's the perfect number four wide receiver. You know, nobody's arguing good, that. Good. I just think you know where's the ceiling with him this year. That's the problem. All right, so then let's go beyond Debo Samuel, Will Fuller, Antonio Brown. We've got 
Anybody like any of these players? Jar- yes, I think we do. Jarvis Landry, Curtis Samuel, LaVisca Chenault, and Jalen Waddle. Landry. I like Cur- Waddle better than Fuller just because he's healthy right now. Okay. I, I like Waddle and Chenault. Waddle and Chenault are the only two from this group that I have over Fuller. I have Chenault over Fuller, too. What happened to Curtis Samuel? Over both. Didn't everybody like Curtis uh, Samuel once upon a time? Just the groin injury. The injury, man. It's so frustrating. Well, it's so frustrating. And I've but always I, I been love, really skeptical of Curtis Samuel, his production relative to the uh, preseason love that he gets every <gasps> year. Um, and I'm just not like buying in as much to his last six games on a different team. Yeah, it's not so much the last six games for me. The role that he had in Ron Rivera's offense in 2019 was really, really valuable. He was ninth in the league in air yards. And that was playing – like he didn't have a good season, obviously, but that was playing with – I think the the Panthers quarterbacks that season were like 20% accurate on deep passes that season, whereas Ryan Fitzpatrick over the last two seasons is in the 40, 40 to 45% range. So just that alone, if he's playing a similar role to what he had the last time he played in Ron Rivera's offense, which it sounds like he will. You know, Ron Rivera, when he's asked about it, says, yeah, we'd like to get him in a preseason game, but I don't worry that much about him because he knows the offense. Mm-hmm. Um I just think there's a lot of upside between the potential for a downfield role and the the rushing attempts that he's likely to get. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, though, because it, basically when Curtis Samuel has been at his best was last year when his role was completely different. You know, He was mm-hmm. not going downfield. So you have to take what he did two years ago, I guess, which was not good, but then you have to blame it on the quarterback, which you absolutely could, as Chris just made the point, and say, well, he's going to be a better fit with Fitzpatrick. The other thing I'd say is if people are really freaked out about the injury... It is August 12th as we're recording this. We're a month away from the season. So this actually might be the time to get values on these guys. I think the reason people are more discounting him for injury than others is because they've not given a timetable. And they don't know. Yeah, Yeah, it's been three months and we don't know when he's going to play again. Well, he's had so much time to recover, right? (laughs) (laughs) He's going to end up being a better value. You know, he was probably getting a little bit overdrafted, you know, with the... uh, the way that he played last year, the fact that he's going to a team that that knows him, the fact that he's going to a quarterback that's going to give him, you know, maybe the best opportunities of his career. So those things were all very encouraging, and they're still encouraging. They should be. But the longer he misses, the more Diami Brown looks better, the more Logan Thomas looks better. I mean, you know, those two guys have certainly taken advantage of those opportunities in training camp. And again, I, you know, I, I say this a lot about McCorn. Fitzpatrick's history is he leans on one guy and one guy to a, such a high degree that it's going to be hard to get away from McLaurin if he's that guy. Now, that's the the thing you're banking on if you're taking McLaurin in the third round like I am, but I think McLaurin's going to be that guy. All right, so I think the best thing to do here is I'm going to do the draft-o-meter. You tell me how excited you are to draft these players on a scale of... This next group is where I, I love. Zero to ten. Well, I, well, let's do it because we didn't talk at all about Jarvis Landry. We basically glossed over Chenault. Everybody knows who Landry is. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, the problem he's is... Ty- he's Tyler Boyd. No, he's not. He's a poor man's Tyler. He's Tyler Boyd with the Browns when Odell Beckham is out. When Odell Beckham is out. You're probably going to get great value if Beckham gets hurt. Probably yep. not if he doesn't. All right, fine. So then we'll go to the next group. Um, Michael Gallup, Michael Pittman, Marquise Brown. We'll just do those three real quick. They're going from 108 to 111 overall. So 0 to 10, how how excited are you to draft Michael Gallup? Four. 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 Five. Okay. Uh, Michael Pittman. Same. Four. Four five. Six. Um, Barry, Pitt- yeah, the Chiefs guy, too. Pittman. <laughs> no. 
Uh, Marquise Brown. Uh, healthy in this range? Yeah. Six? And Bateman out? Right. He's, a, and got he's another five. guy with no timetable. Yeah. Um, but if you tell me Bateman's out the entire month of September, that's going to make Marquise Brown that much more attractive if he's back anytime soon. I'll say five. Okay, so all these guys, Pittman, Gallup, Brown, four to six on the draft meter Next group, Mike Williams. Mike Williams? Nine. Six. Nine, six. Ten. Ten, okay. <laughs> the guy's never had uh, 100 targets. Has he ever had he 60? He had 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns. Has he ever, yeah, the year he had 1,000 yards, he averaged 20 yards per catch, so that was lucky. Not the fluky. NFL. We should penalize him for doing that good thing. Hey, man, you penalize people for doing things for good, doing good things all the time. You say there's no way he's going to do that again. It's regression, this and that. And guess what? It hasn't happened again. So, I yeah, I here's my problem with with Mike Williams. I totally see the appeal as the number two guy. You'd think for for Herbert. One, hasn't he? Shouldn't he have been the number two guy his whole career? And two, is he going to be such a low catch guy that in in full PPR you're basically going to need him to score a touchdown most weeks for him to be good? Yeah, they just. I'll I'll say what scares me about Mike Williams is what you're hearing about the three, four, and five receivers for the Chargers. Yeah, and that's they most. I guess mostly three and four because Josh Palmer is somebody that they really like. and has a chance to you know maybe be the third guy, but Jalen Guyton has been making a lot of plays in camp too, and this is another guy that they really like. And so, how many guys do they really like? Because you know Keenan Allen's getting the ball, and you know Austin Eckler's getting the ball, and I assume Mike Williams is getting the ball. But will Mike Williams do enough, get enough opportunities, get enough targets, uh, you know, put it all together? Uh, you know, I, I, I've said this before, you know, Devontae Parker was the scrap heap guy two years ago, and he bounced back and played really, really well. Mm-hmm. Corey Davis was a scrap heap guy last year. He bounced back and played really, really well. Mike Williams is that guy this year. And the reason the, the comparison is the same is because high first-round picks in the NFL draft, that their fifth-year option wasn't picked up, and the team was basically saying, prove it or you're gone. And, you know, one guy proved it and stayed, got a contract extension. One guy proved it and, you know, earned a big contract somewhere else in Davis, going to the Jets. And maybe Mike Williams does that this year. But um, Justin Herbert's got to get him some some different and better opportunities, and he's got to take advantage of those. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is just at this point in the draft, you should be looking for upside, especially a wide receiver. And Mike Williams, you know, he might be frustrating if you have to start him. But, you know, having him, if you're in a – three wide receiver with one flex league, having him as your fourth, your flex, there's going to be some weeks where he puts you at a huge advantage. Still a lot of wide receivers that I like on the board. He's a little bit of bizarro Will Fuller. Yeah, he's very efficient in terms of yards per target. Okay, so Mike Williams is high on the draft-o-meter. Henry Ruggs. Three. Two. Five, he usually doesn't go this high, I feel like. Yeah. He's a 10 for me because he's one of my last picks. In like a He's normal got league 15, winning type of potential if he hits, <laughs> but it's 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 a lot to ask for that to happen. We're, like we're evaluating these numbers at their ADP and at their place within the wide receivers, right? Not yeah. at the place. Yeah, but I, like I think you know what? I think we should stop doing that because I think at this point, yeah, at this point, especially now that we're at pick one twenty, all right, we're past round ten. These guys could go in any order, yeah. depending on your draft. So. Just tell me who you the like next, the most. Just tell me who you like, like the most. I like the next two guys a lot more than I like Henry Ruggs. Darnell Mooney and Miko Hardman. Yes. Do you like yes, do you like sure. them better than Mike Williams? I think I have it Hardman, Williams, Mooney, but they're all in the same range. Same. All in the same range. 
Devontae yeah, Parker. Play the music. Do it. No. Devontae Me Parker. Cool. Hardman. Devontae Parker. <laughs> <laughs> Devontae Parker, Marvin Jones, Corey Davis. Jones' ADP is going to rise. Wait, 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 wait. Michael Hardman bet. He gets 100 yards in a game receiving this season, and you do that. Okay, absolutely. Okay, good. Let's make it 10 yards because I, I, I'm really excited to do it. So just 10 yards. No, 100 yards, fine. Um, I, Parker, Marvin Jones, Corey Davis, uh, Cole Beasley. Uh, they say any Marvin. names? What's that? Yeah, Jones is a great value. Nicole Hardman is a lottery ticket. Yeah, we pe- we're past him, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> I like yeah, it, though. I, I, he's <laughs> definitely in that Mike Williams, Henry Ruggs, Marquise Brown mold. I just drafted him today. I was very happy about it. Um, we got All right, so which who's your favorite Jets wide receiver? Elijah Moore should be ahead of this group. I agree. Elijah Moore is probably my my favorite Jets wide receiver pending the results of an MRI. Yeah, true. Would yeah, you take yeah. Marvin Jones or, or Elijah Moore? Uh, I'm taking Elijah Moore unless you tell me DJ Chark's out for the season. I'm taking that. Marvin. I would rather have more. All right. Cole Beasley, T.Y. Hilton, Russell Gage. Cole Beasley, Hilton, Gage. Uh, Beasley, can, can he just be what he was last year? You know. I think man, it sounds like Manny Sanders might have might have taken that over. He's been they can't stop talking about how good he's been in camp. And oh please. You know, the the games he played with without Michael Thomas last season, I think he was on like almost an eleven hundred yard pace. So Manny Sanders somehow still has a lot left in the tank, seemingly. Unless they get rid of Stephon Diggs, though. <laughs> I don't I don't I don't want to trust it. Okay, so so who would you rather cannibalize have? each other? I mean, Beasley's not going away, barring something wacky with his uh personal feelings. Um, but you know, if Beasley's there and Sanders is there and Davis is there, you know, th- I think all three of those guys are going to kind of negate each other a little bit. Would you rather have, uh, who's your favorite in that group? Beasley, Hilton, Gage. Hilton. Uh, Hilton's Hilton. still for me. Yeah. All right. So then you've got all the rookies. Sure, aren't you obligated to say Hilton in every answer? Uh, yes. Yes. So FIU. <laughs> FIU. There Feel you the go. Paul, see the claw. Then you've got a lot of rookies. You got Elijah Moore, Rashad Bateman. You've got guys like Nelson Aguilar, although should Jacoby Myers, if you're drafting a Patriots wide receiver, should it be Jacoby Myers? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Terrace Marshall and Jacoby Myers and Sterling Shepard, the three guys that you hadn't said yet that I really would like to draft next. Yes. Agreed. Yeah, Shepard is more in that as well. Rondell Rondell Moore, Moore, definitely. Sterling Shepard's basically five, six catches a game with Daniel Jones. He's been the best receiver in camp so he, far I, he i wrote about uh post type sleepers on the site and he's one of them his numbers over the last two seasons are basically identical to jarvis landry and tyler boyd's i know there have been extenuating circumstances and he's got kenny galladay now but sterling shepherd's been an underrated ppr guy the last couple of seasons um i was disappointed because i made a pro giants tweet Last night, and Adam didn't even acknowledge it. I didn't see it. What did it say? Uh, Sterling Shepard has been better per game over the past two seasons than Odell Beckham. (laughs) How about how is that possible? Uh, Because he's caught 25 more passes. Oh, well. Shepard was wide receiver 34 in points per game last season. 
That is better than Odell Beckham was last year. Yeah, he, he does, but he has not done anything but catch the ball, basically. The yards. Right. Sink. He has one fewer. <laughs> he has one fewer touchdown than Beckham in those two years. So he's cool. done nothing but your job. No, he, he doesn't do anything with it. You know, it, it, but the, the interesting thing is, I don't, I don't know how much he played in the slot last year, but they had Golden Tate. He's the slot guy this year. So yeah, that's it's a PPR contract. Cheat code. Very little. I think there's very little upside. But right, if you're if you didn't draft a lot of wide receivers early, I think he's a perfectly fine like fifth guy who can slot into your flex. Jamie, have you actually been in any leagues deep enough to draft Amonra St. Brown, or is he kind of a waiver wire guy? Oh no, I've taken him uh, in in some leagues. I was a little upset when he went in the uh, in the flex draft uh, before I had a chance to draft him. I think uh, I forget to draft him, so I'm not gonna say it. but I think, you know, guys like Amara St. Brown, um, Brian Edwards now, you know, somebody to keep an eye on with the fact that he's a starter for the Raiders and, and the vacated targets from Nelson Aguilar. Uh, Marcus Callaway, depending on how long Traquan Smith is out, Traquan Smith still because I think he's getting overlooked. Pick uh, one. Pick a, Saint, pick a Saints guy. Callaway. Uh, I'm still Traquan um, because I don't want to, you know, rule him out yet unless he's, you know, going to miss the start of the season. But Callaway is, is very, very close. You know, they're, they're both in a, in a similar situation that until Michael Thomas comes back, uh, they're both going to be the second and third best wide receivers behind Taysom Hill. Any interest in Sammy Watkins? Getting uh, some, not yet, he, but getting some. Like if, he's going to be somebody that I'm going to be adding off of waivers that first week when we get to make waivers ads if Marquise <laughs> Brown isn't back. Right. Because he does get the Raiders and Chiefs the first two weeks of the season, and he might be the number one wide receiver on the team. And he's scored like 22 fantasy points per game in week one the last two years. So yeah. Nice. I like it. And uh, A.J. Green, Jalen Rager, Gabriel Davis, Manuel Sanders. All interesting. Very, very interesting guys. But they're in this range for a reason. Okay. All right, we don't have time to get to everybody. So we gave you a bunch of names. This would be the time where I talked about Amari Rogers, but that's not going to happen anymore. So I just I'm going to wrap things up here. Thanks to Chris and Jamie and Heath. If you didn't want to hear an hour and 15 minutes, you can listen to Fantasy Football Today in five. We give you basically all of our episodes in five-minute versions of it. So check out that podcast if you don't have time for the full-length show. All right, we will talk to you tomorrow with a mailbag at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com and your Apple podcast questions. We'll talk to you then on Fantasy Football Today.